Well, City Fam, how are we doing this morning? Yeah, yeah, everybody excited to be here? Well, if we haven't met, uh, my name is Fred Gonzalez, and I am the Hope City Campus Pastor out at the Lubbock County Detention Center and the Court Residential Treatment Center. Man, I am super, super excited to be here with you this morning. Uh, but before we get started, can, I want to give a shout out to our guys out at Hope City. Guys, sorry I'm not able to be there with you guys this morning. I'm excited to be able to get back there tomorrow to hear what you've learned in your Bible study and continue this journey on this ministry that God has given us. And speaking of Hope City, I want to show you something. I'm so excited to be able to bring it to you this morning, but check this out. Not a whole lot. Fred forgot to close his mouth during this picture. But the most awesome part, it didn't even give it justice to what God done out at Hope City last week. I'm excited to come and share with you this morning that last week we had the opportunity to help 183 men take next steps with Jesus in baptism. How God, cra how crazy is that, right? Yeah, yeah. Super, super excited. To, to see what God done last week. And I mean, spiritually exhausted. I mean, we left it all out. You know, you, you think about uh, the football and, and the coach telling you, leave it all out on the field. I remember we would come home just exhausted. Why? Because we were pouring everything out for the sake of Jesus last week. But the crazy part about it, this didn't, wasn't something that just happened. This was several churches and organizations throughout Lubbock that come and pour in to the men and women of the Lubbock County Detention Center that came to help these guys in their next steps. And it reminded me of exactly what Josh talked about last week about Christ Supreme is in a team. Christ Supreme is in a team. And I got to thinking about um, so, so, some of the some of the ways that this team aspect really worked in my life. My daughter is probably about to um, go off the wall here in just a minute because I did share with her a little bit, but no, I really didn't. But um, I, I wanted to share a story with you about my daughter, Lindsay. And uh, she's, <laughs> I think about some of the things that we were able to do. This whole team thing really resonated with me because as long as I can remember, Lindsay was born with a ball in her hand. She absolutely loved baseball. She absolutely loved softball. And, and it was just something that I had an opportunity to share with my daughter as she was growing up. And I, I'm gonna be honest with you, from the time that she was able to, to grip a ball, we were throwing the ball in the house. Now kids, if you're in this room and your parents tell you don't be throwing the ball in the house, you might ought to listen to them because did we break some things? You better believe we broke some things in the house when we were throwing the ball around. Now, did we tell her mom that we broke some things? No, we did not because it was not my things that we broke, it was her mom's stuff that we broke. And to be honest with you, I cherished my life just a little bit more. And so, um, it, but just thinking about Lindsay and as she got older, we lived in a little community 30 miles west of here in Leveland. And baseball, Lindsay loved the sport, um, but, but baseball kind of started like right as school was ending. And then midsummer, we had summer ball uh, league and I had the opportunity to coach her. And 
as, as I saw Lindsey grow in this sport, um, man, Lindsey crushed it, crushed it. Uh, just, just the simple fact that she just loved the game. She loved to hustle. She loved baseball. But there was some little boys that, you know, as, as you get the season started, um, it's really interesting to see what teams you're playing, right? But after a while, they got to know Lindsey. And Lindsey didn't play in the outfield. Lindsey played on the mound. And so during this time, we, we were doing machine pitch and coach pitch. And, and so they had this big circle around the, 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 the mound and Lindsey would play in that circle. And as the kids got to know Lindsey, man, it would freak these little boys out. Like the only way that they could even imagine getting on bases that they knew that they were gonna have to get the ball past Lindsey. And they knew that Lindsey knew that their coach was gonna coach them to hit the ball down the third base line. So Lindsey would set up to that side of the circle. And, and as, Lindsay, as the ball was hit, Lindsey would shag the ball and she would chase these little boys down. Now, granted, we're playing baseball, right? Before the play was over, it was more like a football play. Like there was a tackle that happened at first base as she tagged these guys and it was just a big crash at first base. But as I saw Lindsey grow up and she enjoyed the sport of baseball. Now, there may be some of you dads sitting, and now that's, that's been a while back, but there may be some of you dads sitting in this room and it was your little boy out there on that field that my daughter was tackling at first base. I'd like to tell you that I was sorry, but I'm not. Lindsay just loved the sport, man. It was just absolutely amazing. But, um, you know, the, the crazy part about it is, is as we were going through this series in Colossians, it really reminded me about how much time we spend out on the field. And some of you parents may be sitting in this room and you're probably going to be able to relate to some of this because we spent hours upon hours out on the field, like from 5.30 till the sun went down, we would spend out on the field practicing, getting better. Like we didn't, we knew that Lindsay loved the sport, but we wanted her to be known in Leveland, Texas in West Texas and the Texas Panhandle. She just loved the sport. And yeah, did we make some dads mad? You better believe we did. You better believe we did. Now, I, I, you know, there, there was, again, dads would, would, would get, who, who created girls in baseball, right? There's no girls in baseball. But Lindsay did, and she loved it, and she crushed it. And so, it just reminded me of, of just, man, how much she loved the sport. But the truth is, I don't even know if that, I don't know if it was her dream or if it was my dream, but we were really living it up. We were enjoying the moment and I cherish those times. And as I say that, my daughter is sitting in this room. I gotta tell you, baby girl, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you and I cherish those moments. During this time of baseball and softball, it became supreme in my life. I lost focus. Did I know Jesus at the time? I knew of Jesus, but I didn't intimately know Jesus. But yet we were sold out to baseball and softball. And there may be some of you sitting in this room today and I would ask, what does that look like for you? Like, are you sold out for the sport? 
Maybe it's a career. For me, obviously, you know it's not the gym. I could probably use to spend a little time in the gym, but I don't spend a whole lot of time in the gym. But what is it that is drawing you away from your relationship with Jesus? Again, there's nothing wrong with those things in and of themselves. But obviously, when something else becomes supreme in your life, it most definitely prohibits us from experiencing all that God has for us in this lifetime. As the last several weeks have gone by, we've been going through this book of Colossians, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, and it's really called me to really examine what my walk looks like with Jesus. We've learned a lot about what it looks like to be a Christian, a professing Christian, a follower, follower of Jesus. And through this, this series, we came up with a theme and it's this, Christ supreme is the theme. Christ supreme is the theme. And my question to you this morning is, what does that look like when Jesus is supreme in your life? I know for me, it's changed so many aspects of my life. It's, it's changed the way I, I look at things. It changed the way I respond to things. It changed the way I talk. It changed a lot of things about me. And the truth is, it wasn't me making those changes. It was God making those changes in me when I finally put my yes on the table. So I ask you this morning, what does that look like to you? Which brings me to my big idea for today, that every Christian has a ministry. Every Christian has a ministry. If you have a Bible with you, if you'll open up to the book of Colossians, we're gonna be in verses 17 and 18. For those of you that didn't bring a Bible, I would encourage you, jump on our app, the City Church Lubbock. There you'll find previous messages, message notes even for today. You'll also find our daily devotionals, um, our prayer wall, and so much more as to what things, are, what things are going on here at the city. But if you're on Colossians 4, let's start out in verse 17, and it says this. And say to Archippus, be sure to carry out the ministry of the Lord. Paul is saying, to, uh, say, tell Archippus, be sure to carry out the ministry of the Lord. First thing that stands out to me is that ministry is going to take focus. Ministry is going to take focus. Paul was reminding Archippus that he had a mission for the sake of the gospel, that it was his mission that God had given him and anointed him. He said he was basically letting Archippus know that under no situation or circumstance should he ever neglect the ministry that God has given him. So it's going to take focus for us. It's going to take will, determination, commitment to discover one, what our ministry is and two, how to step into that ministry. How can I support the ministry that God has given me? Why would Paul remind Archippus? Think about it. I can tell you, I am very easily distracted. Church, we are easily distracted from what the things, the things that this world has to offer. And it does cause us to lose focus from the ministry that God has given us. Plus, we know that Archippus had influence through the ministry in Laodicea. In Colossians chapter four, the church of Laodicea was identified in the letter that Paul was writing to the church in Colossae. 
Archippus appeared from Philem and he was, a, he was part of the Philemon family, possibly a son. Now it's not clear if Archippus was present at the time that the letter was, was read in the church of Colossae, but we do know that Archippus had some pastoral responsibilities in the church of Laodicea. So he was gonna have to be present in the church of Laodicea when this letter was read, which publicly charged him with carrying out the ministry that God had given him. So church, this tells me, and it should tell you, that if we are professing Christians, if we are professing that we are followers of Jesus, God has given you a ministry. God has a ministry for you to carry out. He has a ministry for you to carry out. Now you may be sitting back and you may be wondering, well, wait a minute, time out. Fred, that is your job. That's Clayton's job or that's Brandon's job. But that is far from the truth. So far from the truth. See, in Ephesians chapter four, Paul says this. Now these are the gifts God gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors, and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. So church, I'm here to tell you, you have a big part to play. You have a huge part to play. Part of what we wanna see happen today is that God would stir up by the Holy Spirit a passion for you to discover what that ministry is or that work is and pursue it with everything that you are. Carrying out ministry is gonna take focus, but it'll also come at a cost. Oh, wait a minute, now we're gonna, now, now it's gonna step on my toes. It's gonna cost me something, yeah. Which leads me to my next point. Ministry is going to take sacrifice. Ministry is going to take sacrifice. In Colossians 4, verse 18, Paul says this, remember my chains. Remember my chains. He is reminding the church that during this time, he's in prison. And he's not in prison because he broke the law. He's in prison because he wouldn't shut up about Jesus. He was about everything that revolved around the gospel to further the kingdom of God. He was boldly proclaiming the good news about Jesus. He was suffering. He was sacrificing. I mean, at times he would even pray to God, God, free me from this place so that I can continue to press forward in the ministry that you've given me. But even if you don't, God, even if you don't set me free, I will still proclaim the gospel. I will still press forward in the ministry that you've given me. And I will continue to reveal the goodness of who you are. See, in Philippians 1, Paul describes his time in prison. He says that because of his sacrifice and because of his suffering, that others around him in prison are coming to know Jesus as Lord. They're, 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 they're standing in boldness because of the example that Paul is being while in prison. 
In Philippians 1, verse 20, he says this, for I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or whether I die. Church, this passage was so convicting to me. Because God was asking me, how is my hardship? How is what I'm suffering through right now? How is it pointing people back to Jesus? Like in the middle of your storm and how you're responding to whatever you're going through, is it pointing people back to Jesus? Maybe you're sitting in this room and you're struggling with addiction or you're struggling with anxiety or depression, or maybe your, your marriage is on the rocks and it's falling apart and your kids are losing their mind. How are you representing the body of Christ and how is it pointing other people back to Jesus? See how I respond to my hardship will reveal my heart for God. And I can stand in confidence knowing fully well that Jesus has got my back and he's gonna carry me even through the hardest of times. Paul's sacrifice for the ministry of Jesus, it was huge. I think about whether, if, if Paul would have decided not to step into the calling of the ministry where me and you would be today. Like we're talking about a man that wrote two thirds of the New Testament in the Bible that you hold in your hand. And the majority of those books were written while he was incarcerated, while he was in chains. So we have to step into the calling and know that we have to sacrifice for the sake of the gospel. This brings me to my next point. Ministry is going to take power. To pursue in ministry, it's going to take power. In verse 18 of Colossians, he goes on to say this, may God's grace be with you. May God's grace be with you. Now you may be sitting in your chair today and you may be asking yourself, well, Fred, what is God's grace? And I pray that as I tell you this, that it crushes your heart for Jesus. Because God's grace, it's freely given, unmerited favor and love. Like it's something that me and you could never earn, we could never buy, that we don't deserve. Yet he gives it to us anyway. His unmerited favor, why? Because he loves us because he loves you. See, the truth is, it's only by grace that God is with us. God gives us the desire and power to pursue Jesus no matter what it takes, to make him supreme in our lives, to turn our lives from sin, and to live a more holy life. Does that mean that we're gonna get it right all the time? No, at times in my life, I fell flat on my face. 
Why? Because I took my focus off of Jesus. This also shows us that God's favor and power to carry out the ministry lives within us. The spirit of God lives in you and me. In this verse, Paul is really describing this presence of God that he lives inside of us and the spirit that gives us power to go to not give up on the ministry that God has given us, but to pursue, to persevere, to endure, even when things don't look the way we want them to. Jesus gives us a mission and then he promises me and you that he's gonna be with us. Now, I don't know about you, but when my heavenly daddy says it, I'm gonna guide your footsteps and I'm gonna be with you, that takes Fred completely out of the equation because then it becomes all about the God that lives inside of me. Now, there may be some of you sitting in this room today and you may be thinking, man, I don't know about this, Fred. Like, where could God use me in his ministry? There may be some of you in this room today that may be sensing a little fear like, that, 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 Fred, that, I've never thought about that. But the truth is God does have a ministry for you and he's calling you to do what he's calling you to do to further his kingdom. You need God's help in trying to figure out what that ministry is and how to carry it out. You may need to make some necessary sacrifices to take that first bold step so that God could show you his faithfulness. Is it gonna be easy? No. It's not. I remember when I first started out in ministry, it was all about what Fred was doing. I was leaning on my own understanding. I was leaning on my own confidence. It was a pride issue. And believe you me, did I get in the way of what God was doing in my life? You better believe I stood in his way. But just as Paul had to confess, I had to confess some things too. I had to confess my pride, I had to confess my weakness, and I had to ask God to give me the willpower to pursue him wholeheartedly. Why? Well, it leads me back to our big idea for today. That every Christian has a ministry. Each and every one of us do. Each and every one of us do. And so I tell you the truth today, just like I had to come to a place of surrender in my life, I beg God. I beg God, God, I want to carry out your ministry in my life. I'm tired of standing in your way. God, I don't, I don't care what it costs me. I wanna follow you. I wanna live my life for you. And I want others to come to know who you are, not by what I say, but the example that I set. See, the truth is, is I haven't always been the example. My kids are sitting in this room and they'll tell you that I have failed in certain areas of my life. But it's only by the grace of God and his unmerited favor that he's poured out on me that I even stand here today. See, the truth is, is in all reality, I should be locked up out at Lubbock County. Why? Because I'm broken. 
See, my jail didn't look like Lubbock County. My jail looked like God's prison. Only when I was at the lowest of my lows did I choose that I was gonna give my life to Jesus. Truth is, God put some challenges in my life. And so I'm gonna leave you with some challenges this morning. And so my challenge for you today is to carry out the ministry regardless of the cost. Is it gonna cost you something? You better believe it's gonna cost you something. But I promise you it's worth it. Carry out the ministry regardless of the cost. This reminded me so much, not just of Paul's story, but it reminded me so much of Jonah's story. Like God charged Jonah with a mission, with a ministry. And just like Jonah ran from the ministry that God gave him, I ran from the ministry. I told God that he was crazy. But God disciplined Jonah just like he disciplined me. And Jonah repented. And oh boy, did I have to do some repenting. But the story doesn't end there. God used Jonah in some of the most powerful ways to reveal the goodness of God. And I pray that it would be said that of me. So today, I want to ask you and ask you to consider something. Am I running from the ministry that God has given me? Or am I taking next steps to discover what that ministry is? And will I be bold enough to carry it out? See, to carry out a ministry, you have to know the ministry that God is calling you to. Many don't even know what that ministry is. But if you don't know, I would challenge you to start. The first thing that I would challenge you with is to pray. Jacob came and he come and he shared about how much we need to be praying. And maybe you're asking yourself this morning, what is that ministry that God is calling me to? Would you pray that God would give you a vision for the ministry? Would you pray and ask him for clarity? Like maybe you're taking next steps into the ministry, but you're not quite clear as to what that looks like. Ask him to give you clarity in it, to give you insight, that he would awaken the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you to be bold for the mission of Christ. And just as I had to pray, God, would you change my devotion? God, would you change my devotion from the things that this world has to offer, but would you change that devotion to be totally committed to what you're calling me to do, Jesus? Complete devotion to making Christ supreme in your life. The next thing that I would ask is for you to discover. For you to discover, start serving somewhere in your church. Start serving. 
And then as you start serving, start asking people uh, around you, like, where can I add value to the ministry that God has called me to? So many times we take steps, next steps into, into something that we feel like God is calling us to, but yet we, we, we feel empty. Ask people around you, where can I add value to the ministry that God has given me? Maybe it's learning your, 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 the, the, your spiritual gift. Maybe you've never taken a spiritual gifts test. I would challenge you to take a, a spiritual gifts test. And, and if you, you have questions about it, please reach out to us. We'll be more than welcome to help you. But discovering those spiritual gifts that you've already got living inside of you and asking God to activate that spiritual gift through action. Be the hands and feet of Jesus through action and obedience. The next thing is share, share. We tell the guys out at Lubbock County Detention Center, share your story, share your testimony, the roads that you've traveled, the things that you've done, share them. We can all sit in this room and we can look back and we can see where God has been active in our lives. There's some of us in this room, including myself, that should not be here. Some of the crazy things that I'd done when I was younger, I was like, man, God, thank you so, so much for your grace. But you can look back in your life and you can see where God has been active in your life. Share your testimony. We tell the guys out at Lubbock County that it's their story that will be the key to somebody's prison gate. You never know the people around you, what they're going through. You never know. Reminds me of what Brandon used to say about, you know, hey, we come to church, hey, you okay? Yeah, I'm okay, yeah, I'm okay, you, you, we're both okay. When deep down inside we're dying. And one story of hope of where God has rescued you and he's met you in the middle of your mess could radically turn things around for you and for them. Share the gospel. Share the gospel of Jesus, the good news of Jesus. Invite somebody to come sit with you in church. Now I know, I hear it every week. Fred, pot of 72 guys, there's about 30 guys coming to church service. Man, Fred, we're inviting, we're inviting, man, but they won't come, they won't come. That's okay, continue to invite. Don't give up on the ministry that God has given you. you the, your ministry may be inviting somebody to come and hear the good news. I remember I used to live with the mentality that if I could just get them through that door, God will take care of the rest. And that is so true. Allow somebody the opportunity to come and sit with you. Some of this reminds me, some of the things that we've been talking about reminds me so much of a, a guy that I met about six years ago out at the Lubbock County Detention Center. And I gotta tell you, when I started volunteering, it was the most uncomfortable, unrealistic, challenging decision that I had ever made in my life. For some of you that are sitting in this room, you know that I was a police officer for about 12 years. And so the last place that I ever wanted to be 
was in jail. Even as deserving as I was of that place, I never wanted to be there. I argued with God, like, God, you're crazy, you're nuts. I'm not going out there. But when I finally put my yes on the table, I started serving. And I have to tell you that, that I, we used to go to this pod called the Hope Pod. And this pod was designed for every, every religious organization coming and pouring in to people out at Lubbock County. This one pod was designed for them to come and just pour into it. Bible studies, church services, worship gatherings, prayer gatherings, anything and everything that you could imagine was happening in this pod. We were allowing ourselves to be, be transparent and vulnerable to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit would speak to these men and cause a radical change. We prayed for road to Damascus encounters. And I remember at the time that I started serving, they had just finished up one, one session of the program and they had moved some guys out and they had moved some new guys in, but they kept mentors behind in the pod that had already been through the program. And as these new guys came in, I got to know this kid. The mentors would come up to me and they say, man, that guy's a knucklehead. He just going against the grain of the program. We've never been there, right? But as we continued to pour, weeks went by and we started seeing some transformations in this kid. Like God calmed the storm of rebellion in him and he was now responding with an open ear and an open heart. Like you could tell that just by the way he looked at us as we were going through our Bible studies and Holy Spirit was, was speaking to his heart, it was hitting home. So much so that this kid committed his life to Jesus right there at the Lubbock County Detention Center. He was baptized by water and baptized by the Holy Spirit right there in the jail. I remember when he came back to me one, one, one afternoon after service and he said, Fred, I need you to pray with me because I'm so done with my past life. I'm so done with that. God has set me free. Now I want to live my life for Christ. Just in complete surrender. The time came that this kid ended up having to go catch chain. He was gonna have to go do some state time in the state penitentiary. And through that time, we stayed in contact. He would write letters, we would send him materials. And he wrote me and he would tell me, Fred, we're, we're leading Bible studies, we're leading prayer, prayer gatherings, worship gatherings. Fred, God is moving. Why? Because he was sold out to the ministry that God had given him that he was counting on Holy Spirit to empower him. Now, if any of y'all have ever experienced being locked up, being incarcerated, it is the worst environment to try to keep your focus. Like that place sucks the life out of you. And you constantly walking around in defeat and brokenness. Yet this kid knew Jesus and knew the power that could only come through the blood of Jesus. He never lost focus. A few months went by and they'd done a, a, what they call is a shakedown in this cell block. And a shakedown, they come in and they take, take all your books, all your Bibles, all your journals, any letters that your family has written to you, they take it all and they sift through it. 
This kid told me that this led to a rebellion of a protest against the prison. They weren't asking for their stuff back. They were asking for their Bible and their journal. So much so that they would stand on the dining room tables boldly screaming out the gospel of Jesus. This kid had been transformed by God's work behind those cinder block walls and that glass. A few weeks went by and lo and behold, this kid shows up. <laughs> they let him out. Showed up crying. It's afraid I wasn't supposed to get out. He said, but I, I promise you, the reason they kicked me out of prison is because I wouldn't shut up about Jesus. He immediately got plugged in to a group that met in my home at the time and started serving. He started loving on people the way God called him to love people. And now this young man is a lead pastor of a church just outside of Lubbock, boldly proclaiming the gospel. He never lost vision. He never lost focus of what God had given him, the ministry, everything for the sake of the gospel. It just reminds me of how faithful God is. So sit in this room and tell me that God doesn't have a ministry for you. There's no way. I promise you, if he can use jacked up me, he's gonna use you. And I promise you, he'll use you with every potential that you bring to the table and allow him to use. It's gonna take sacrifice. It's gonna take God instilling his power of his Holy Spirit that lives inside of you so that you never lose focus of the ministry that God has given you. God has given his unmerited favor to me and you. He's given us his grace to stay the course of the ministry, to stay focused on what God has encharged us with. My challenge to you this morning is, will you put your yes on the table? Will you pray with me? Our most gracious heavenly fathers, we come to you, God. Father, I pray, Father God, that your vision, Father God, of what you're calling us to, Father God, would be so clear, Father God, that we couldn't argue it. Father, I pray, Father God, that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit, Father God, to put our yes on the table. Father, whether that's, that's getting plugged in and serving here at the city, whether that's getting plugged into small groups, Father God, I, I know that my spiritual growth happens in those small groups, God. So whatever it is that you're calling us to, God, I pray, Father God, that you would burden our hearts for the ministry that you have given us. God, I ask, Father God, that you forgive me where I have failed you. I ask that you forgive me at times, Father God, even for my unbelief. Father, I thank you that you are a God that reminds us every moment, Father God, that you are a God of the impossible. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you, Father God, for the message that you put on our hearts. And I pray, Father God, that we would boldly proclaim 
your son Jesus to anybody and everybody that we cross. And it's in Jesus' mighty name, amen.